Chapter 9 The Testing of Our Repentance If any will say they have repented, let me encourage them to test themselves seriously by considering these seven products of repentance, laid down by Paul in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 11. 1. Earnestness The Greek word signifies an attentive and careful shunning of all temptations to sin. The true penitent runs away from sin the way Moses ran from the serpent. 2. Vindication of ourselves. The Greek word is apology. The meaning is this. Even though we try so hard, through strength of temptation we may slip into sin. But when this happens, the repenting soul does not let sin lie festering in his conscience, but instead he judges himself for his sin. He pours out tears before the Lord, he begs for mercy in the name of Christ, and does not leave until he has gotten his pardon. Here he is cleared of guilt in his conscience, and is able to make a defense for himself against Satan. 3. Indignation He who repents of sin feels his spirit rise against it, as one's pulse rises at the sight of someone he mortally hates. Indignation is to be troubled in the heart at sin. The penitent is frustrated with himself. David calls himself a stupid and ignorant animal. Psalm 73, verse 22. God is never more pleased with us than when we are angry with ourselves over sin. Number 4. Fear. A tender heart is a trembling heart. The penitent has felt sin's bitterness. This hornet has stung him, and now, finding himself reconciled to God, he is afraid to ever go near sin again. The repenting soul is full of fear. He is afraid to lose God's favor, which is better than life. He is afraid he may, for lack of diligence, come short of salvation. He is afraid that though his heart is now softened, the waters of repentance might freeze and he might harden in sin again. How blessed is the person who fears always! Proverbs 28, verse 14. A sinner is like the Leviathan who is made without fear. Job 41, verse 33. A repenting person fears and does not sin. A graceless person sins and does not fear. Number 5. Longing. As a sour sauce sharpens the appetite, so the bitter herbs of repentance sharpen our longing. But what does the penitent long for? He longs for more power against sin and to be released from it. It is true he has gotten away from Satan, but he moves along like a prisoner who has broken out of prison with a chain on his leg. He cannot walk with that freedom and swiftness in the ways of God, so he longs to have the chains of sin taken off. He longs to be freed from corruption. He cries out with Paul, Who will set me free from the body of this death? Romans 7, verse 24. In short, he longs to be with Christ, as everything longs to be. Number 6. Zeal. Longing and zeal 
are put together to show that true longing puts itself to work in zealous striving. The penitent stirs himself up for the business of salvation. He takes the kingdom of heaven by force. Matthew 11, verse 12. Zeal enlivens the pursuit of glory. Zeal, when it runs into difficulty, is emboldened by opposition and tramples on danger. Zeal makes a repenting soul stay in godly sorrow, even when discouraged or opposed. Zeal takes a man out of himself for God's glory. Paul, before conversion, was insane in his opposition to the saints. Acts 26, verse 11. And after conversion, he was judged insane for Christ's sake. Paul, you are out of your mind. Acts 26, verse 24. But it was zeal, not madness. Zeal energizes spirit and duty. It causes fervency of spirit, which is like fire to the sacrifice. Romans 12, verse 11. As fear is a bridle to sin, so zeal is a spur to duty. Number 7. Punishment of Wrong A true penitent pursues his sins with a sense of holy revenge. He seeks their death as Samson took revenge on the Philistines for his two eyes. He treats his sins as the Jews treated Christ. He gives them gall and vinegar to drink. He crucifies his sinful passions and desires. Galatians 5, verse 24. A true child of God seeks the greatest revenge on those sins that have dishonored God most. Cranmer, who had with his right hand consented to the Roman Catholic articles, was revenged on himself. He put his right hand first into the fire. David defiled his bed with sin. Afterward, by repentance, he watered his bed with tears. Israel had sinned by idolatry, and afterward they disgraced their idols. You will desecrate your carved images plated with silver. Isaiah 30, verse 22. Mary Magdalene had sinned with her eyes by adulterous glances, and then she took revenge on her eyes. She washed Christ's feet with her tears. She had sinned with her hair. It had entangled her lovers. And then she was revenged on her hair. She wiped the Lord's feet with it. The Israelite women, who had been changing their clothes every hour and had abused their mirrors with their vanity, then, in revenge and zeal, offered their mirrors for the use and service of God's tabernacle. Exodus 38, verse 8. In the same way, those conjurers who practiced magic, once they repented, brought their books, and by way of revenge, burned them. Acts 19, verse 19. These are the blessed fruits and products of repentance, and if we can find these in our souls, we have arrived at a repentance we will never regret. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10. A Necessary Caution Let me give a caution to those who have solemnly repented of their sins. Though repentance is so necessary and excellent, as you have heard, please be careful that you do not put too much emphasis on repentance. The Roman Catholics are guilty of a double error. One, 
They make repentance a sacrament. Christ never instituted this, and who can institute sacraments except the one who can give value to them? Repentance is not a sacrament, because it lacks an outward sign. Something cannot properly be called a sacrament without a sign. Two, they make repentance meritorious. They say it altogether fittingly earns a pardon. This is a gross error. Yes, repentance makes us ready for mercy, as the plow, when it breaks up the ground, makes it ready for the seed. So when the heart is broken up by repentance, it is ready to receive pardon, but it does not earn it. God will not save us without repentance, but also not because of it. Repentance is a qualification, not a cause. I agree that repenting tears are precious. They are, as Gregory said, the fat of the sacrifice, as Basil said, the medicine of the soul, and as Bernard said, the wine of angels. But even so, tears are not satisfactory for sin. Even in our tears, we sin. Therefore, tears cannot satisfy. Augustine said it well. I have read of Peter's tears, but no man ever read of Peter earning his salvation. Only Christ's blood can merit pardon. We please God with our repentance, but we do not satisfy Him by it. To put our trust in our repentance is to make it a Savior. Though repentance helps to purge out the filth of sin, it is only Christ's blood that washes away the guilt of sin. Therefore, do not idolize repentance. Do not rest upon this, that your heart has been wounded for sin, but rather that your Savior has been wounded for sin. After you have wept, say with him, Lord Jesus, wash my tears in your blood. Comfort for the Repenting Sinner Let me next speak some comfort. Christian, has God given you a repenting heart? Know these three things and take everlasting comfort. 1. Your sins are pardoned. Pardon for sin brings blessedness with it. Psalm 32, verse 1. When God pardons, He crowns. Who pardons all your guilt? Who crowns you with favor and compassion? Psalm 103, verses 3 through 4. A repenting heart is a pardoned heart. Christ said to that weeping woman whose sins, which were many, Your sins have been forgiven. Luke 7, verses 47 through 48. Pardons are sealed on soft hearts. For you whose head has been a fountain to weep for sin, Christ's side will be a fountain to wash away sin. Zechariah 13, verse 1. Have you repented? Then God looks at you as if you had never offended Him. He becomes a friend, a father. He will now bring out the best robe and put it on you. God is appeased and will, like the father of the prodigal, fall upon your neck and kiss you. Sin in Scripture is compared to a thick cloud. Isaiah 44, verse 22. The moment this cloud of sin is scattered by repentance, God's pardoning love shines forth. 
Paul, after his repentance, received mercy. I found mercy, 1 Timothy 1, verse 16. When a spring of repentance is open in the heart, a spring of mercy is open in heaven. 2. God will make a choice to forget sin. He forgives sin in the same way he forgets. Their sin I will no longer remember. Jeremiah 31, verse 34. Have you been humbled in repentance? The Lord will never berate you with your former sins. After Peter wept, we never read that Christ reprimanded him for his denial of him. God has cast your sins into the depths of the sea. Micah 7, verse 19. How? Not like a cork, but like lead. The Lord will never bring them back up in court. When God pardons, He is like a creditor who blots the debt out of His book. Isaiah 43, verse 25. Some ask whether the sins of the godly will be mentioned on the last day. The Lord said He will not remember them, and He is blotting them out. So if their sins are mentioned, it will not work against them, because those debts are no longer on the books. 3. Your conscience will now speak peace. Oh, the music of conscience! Conscience is turned into a paradise, and there a Christian sweetly comforts himself and picks the flowers of joy. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 12. The repenting sinner can go to God with boldness in prayer and look at him not as a judge, but as a father. He is born of God and is heir to a kingdom. Luke 6 verse 20. He is encircled with promises. He no sooner shakes the tree of the promise, but some fruit falls. To conclude, the true penitent can look on death with comfort. His life has been a life of tears, and now at death all tears will be wiped away. Death will not be a destruction, but a release from jail. And so you see what great comfort there is for repenting sinners. Luther said that before his conversion he could not stand that bitter word repentance, but afterward he found much sweetness in it.